We don't edit the show here. Welcome back to the Gentleman's Dojo. Boom. Oh, my God. Live from Burbank. Live from beautiful downtown Burbank. Do you yeah. like that? I love it. That's a new That's a new keen signature of the show. Burbank kind of gets lost, I thought, you know, uh, from the original days of yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. And it's good, to have it. it's good for us to bring it back. Well, I will say this show is definitely bringing a lot of revenue to the city of Burbank. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> And we're, we're not really in downtown or more in industrial area, but don't worry don't about a, that. Steve, don't give me a nothing on that. It wasn't meant to be a joke. No, I... I you fucked up the music, so we're off to a bad start already. Just glad you're here. <laughs> glad you're here. Whatever happened to this band? I don't know. The Beatles? Yeah. <laughs> like 60 or 70 number one hits, and then yeah. they just disappear. They just disappear. Yeah, they, who knows? I don't know. Well, we are excited. The Beach Boys are still together. That's good news. John Stamos is still with them. <laughs> So good, <laughs> so good. It's good to see everybody. We are back, episode number one zero three. Very exciting. Uh, one zero three, yeah. One zero three. Couldn't be happier for our guest today. We're excited. Uh, I got to meet this gentleman uh, a couple of years ago when he did a guest starring role on your show, Steve. Yeah, he was a guest star on Sullivan and Son. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, I, and. We were talking before we went on the air, Keen and I. So funny. Like, yeah. really funny guy to hang out with. And if you follow him on Twitter, hilarious. Yeah. Like, really, really funny dude. Speaking of which. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine, sir. How are you? <laughs> we got to give you a proper introduction. <laughs> as will be the rest of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got to welcome to the Gentleman's Dojo. Uh, calling in, obviously, but we, we love him. He's a national treasure, I think, oh, uh, yes. is the best way to describe him. Mr. Pat Sajak. Yes. Pat Sajak. Woo! Look at this. I, I, I'm, like, I'm like Mount Rushmore. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's... Or, or, or Mount St. Helens. <laughs> I, will, I will tell you this too, Pat. We've had so many calls from Alex Trebek's representation. We said we do not want him on. We want the real game show host, the iconic, the Emmy Award winning Pat Sajak. Yeah, you know, I once years ago uh, somebody pointed and I and I mentioned this on the show at the close of the show. Someone sent me one of those online questions you take, you know, who, and the question was, and this was at the height of the who wants to be a millionaire frenzy with with Regis Philbin. The question was, if you're on a coast to coast flight, who would you rather be sitting next to? And the choices were Regis Philbin, <laughs> Alex Trebek, and me. Well, Regis was. Everyone loves Regis. Regis got, you know, 80% of the vote, and Alex got, you know, another 15 or 16. I got, like, three. <laughs> and, and I said to Vanna, I said, you know, I understand Regis because, you know, everybody loves Regis, but trust me, if you're on a coast-to-coast flight with Alex Trebek, you better hope for a strong tailwind. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex, Alex is a good Alex is a good guy, but, you know, he's from Canada. What can I tell you? <laughs> he's Canadian, yeah. Now, are you in Los Angeles taping Wheel of Fortune as we speak, or are you back home, back east? Yeah, I, actually, I am taping as we... Hold on just a moment. There are no A's. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not literally taping as we speak, but I am, in fact, in town in L.A. to, uh, to tape. We're actually taping um, the next three days. We're taping Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, which... 
<laughs> what a soft job I have. I'm actually like borderline complaining because we never do three days in a row. <laughs> so I, you know, I'm just, I feel like I'm working in the salt mines now that I've got to do three days. Pat, yeah, stay hydrated. I'm here to work. Stay hydrated these next three days. If, if not for Wheel of Fortune, would people constantly be mispronouncing your name? Oh yeah, probably. Um, it's a. It, it was even more confusing because when I was, I was born with a. Um, it was pronounced Ajak, but I. It's a Polish name. In fact, I just got back from Poland, but it's a Polish name, and it's. Um, uh, there's a D. There was a silent D in it, so it was S A J D A K, but pronounced Ajak. So it was a nightmare. Oh. Um, uh, but yeah, you're right. With, uh, with with people know it now. You know, it's it's actually. I hated my name as a kid. I probably most kids hate their names, but I was. Um, it's actually a good name to have in my business because it's unique, and yet it's not all that complicated. It's fairly phonetic if you look at it without the D anyway. Um, so it's it's actually served me well. There are no other Sajaks that I know of in, in, uh, in broadcast. <laughs> yeah, well, you're here with uh, Patrick Keene, myself, Steve Byrne, and Gary Cannon. And Gary, actually, Gary Cannon is his stage name. His actual real last name is Gary Puddles. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, you had a question now, for me. I, well, no, I, I had no idea. So you're, are you from the Boston Puddle? <laughs> <laughs> Pat, I don't know if you'll remember this, but when I worked on Sullivan and Son, I did the warm-up, the audience warm-up for the show. Nobody remembers. And I, The show? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> and I just Wait, remember... Wait, you did the warm-up for us? No, for Sullivan and Son. I did the oh, audience warm-up. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. Um, yeah, that was, uh, and and you, uh, and that's quite a job. I, you know, it's funny there. It's, you say that, and I, and I'm, I'm not blowing smoke here, but um, we have a guy named Jim Thornton who's a local newscaster and a really nice guy. Does a lot of voice work for cartoons and all that kind of thing, and, and just the sweetest guy in the world. And tells the corniest jokes, and but the audiences love him. And he, you know, he's out there. And, and you, as you know, you'll have days where the audience doesn't even want to be there, and, right. um, and you're doing your best to try to keep them alive and awake. And I and I look out in admiration. I don't know how you do it and and keep going when you know some of them are booing you and they don't you know they want to they get <laughs> That's out the of cast. Oh, oh my God, they're going to shoot this. They're going to shoot this damn scene again. Yeah, I got to laugh at this stupid joke for the 14th time. Well, I just uh, remember so it, being up in the audience and I was making fun of a city called Victorville. And then I said, we're all heading back to Pat's house after the show, and you yelled, spot on, not missing a beat, in Victorville. <laughs> and the audience just uh, it loved it. It was quite an experience. The, you know, the sitcoms are such a different world from what I do. I mean, for example, tomorrow, um, starting at noon, we'll start doing show number one, and by 6 o'clock, we will have, including a dinner break, we will have done six shows, and I'm gone. Wow. Um, you know, in the Jeez. sitcom world. And, and by the way, if I do a line that bombs, they just say, okay, it's great. Who cares? The wheel looks good. It's fine. <laughs> you do, you know, Steve, you do a show that bombs, and 18 writers come out to try to make it work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> which happened quite a lot, actually, when I was it, it, going. It, yeah. it is. It is a, uh, you know, I again, I admire, uh, I, I think everybody looks in awe at things they can't do real well. And, um, uh, you know, there I thought, how do you get a, how do you get a sustained performance out of something when you're, you know, you're you're doing a couple of lines and you got to redo it and then you, they suggest another thing and then you do it from another angle. Um, it was it was a, it was a tough day, but a fun day. I enjoyed. I, enjoyed I think it's uh, the cocaine. The cocaine is really it keeps you motivated. Cocaine oh, and Red Bull. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was snow. <laughs> <laughs> Pat, I got to ask you: Are you a better host? 
on television or at home? If we were to be guests at your house, are you a better host in your own domain or on television? Well, I pour lots of wine, so that that <laughs> there you itself go. makes me a good host. Uh, and I can't, I don't have the liberty of doing that on television. Uh, you know, every again, as you guys know, everyone expect because you're comics, everyone expects you to be funny all the time. And and uh, as I can tell from this call, that's not the case. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Pat, I I do want to ask you this. You, I mean, you've had an an incredible career. Going from radio to television to the host of this iconic television show, and you had your own late night talk show. That is the dream, I think, of every stand up comedian. You got the gig. Was, was, A, obviously, you're, you've got this great sense of humor. Is, is it something that an executive saw that was like, this guy is really funny? We should develop a, a, his own talk show around him. And then with that, did you ever go to the improv or the comedy store at night to work on maybe monologue jokes in preparation to getting your own television show? And, and you know, basically, did you dabble with stand-up? You know, I, did, I didn't, and, um, and and perhaps I should have. And I, and I essentially did stand-up because I did a monologue on the yeah. show. But, but I, I'll tell you the truth. If there, is, if there is a hill and I'm going there, it's going to be a, it's going to be a comedy club and I'm going to be on stage. Well, Gary uh, will introduce you there. <laughs> it's called Flappers, the Yoo-Hoo Room. Yeah. I actually, uh, <laughs> the Victorville it's, chuckle. Um, it, it's the most frightening thing in the world. I mean, I'm sweating now just thinking about doing it. And I, you know, I, I stood in front of, you know, several hundred viewers some nights uh, uh, doing, <laughs> doing jokes. Uh, but, but, the, but to be on stage with, you know, 50 or 100 or whatever the number is, drunks, um, anxious to, uh, to show how funny they are, uh, it, just, it just fills me with terror. Uh, I have never, I mean, I, I, I no. so the, sh the short answer is no, I, I didn't. And, you know, I, again, I probably should have, and it probably would have, it would have improved what I did. I mean, I think I did a credible job, but I think I, it's not something you can just jump in and do. I think, I think I could have used a little of that, but I, I was not physically able to do it. I don't think I could have <laughs> dragged myself on that stage uh, you know, as, uh, begging people to tip their waitresses. I just, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Did you ever go by uh, Patrick? I have to ask that because I, I went by Pat for a long time, and then the uh, show It's Pat, I don't know if you remember that, that sketch on SNL came out, and it really uh, it took away my masculinity, and I started going by Patrick after that. Was that ever a thing for you? <laughs> my, our, son is, uh, our son is named Patrick, and he's very sensitive. I mean, he you call him Pat, he just he won't even turn around. Well, I remember when, when, Pat, when Mr. Sajak came to the set of Sullivan's son, he said, everybody addressed me as Master P. Oh, yeah. yes, that's a better, safer that. title. You know, by, by the way, you can call me Pat, Steve. <laughs> I got a message from Steve asking me to do this, and he said, you know, Mr. Sajak, uh, would you mind? And I said, yes, Mr. Byrne, I will. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. Uh, I actually I, went to a taping of your late-night show. I, I was out here visiting from Michigan, and I looked up oh the God. date. It was December of 1989. Your guests were Joe Namath wow. and Buster Poindexter. Wow. Just so crazy. Wow. I remember going, Arsenio was sold out, and we came to see your show. And <laughs> that was nice, Gary. <laughs> I figured Pat you know, would enjoy funny, that line. It was a funny thing because the show, you know, you can argue whether how good it was or whether it deserved uh, to be on. We were on about, uh, about a year and a half, I think, a little, a little short of that. Um, but it was, it was strange because when we, one of the reasons I agreed to do it was because I was money hungry. But another reason was that um, 
the the word on the street, wherever the street is, is that uh, Johnny Carson, who was obviously the king of late night at the time, was a, that was going to be his last season, and that where it looked what it looked like. So in my, so what I decided to do, and I thought it was a clever idea, is we go on the air, essentially doing the Tonight Show. I mean, with a set and a look and a feel and a, that, that people are comfortable with, so that when Johnny steps by, there's good old Pat that everybody knows, and he, it's sort of a natural transition there. Well, Johnny decided to re-up, and if I were a viewer, and I had the choice between Johnny Carson and Johnny Carson Light, I probably would have chosen Johnny Carson, too. And then you mentioned Arsenio, who came along and did that. It was it was something very different. It was very uh, you know that barking audience and then, <laughs> <laughs> which which by the way for me ruined television yeah. forever. <laughs> uh, so I was sort of, I was I was sort of in the middle there. I you know I was sort of in no man's land. I I love doing it. I I, I wish it would have been on longer. But you know I, I you know I got to feed straight lines to George Burns. I mean how wow. many people can say that? And uh, so wow. it was a great it was a great experience and great fun. And and it really was Johnny that, in a way, got me the show because I was a guest on his show um, a few years, a couple of years earlier. And it was one of those nights. Johnny was really. I, I mean, I got a sense of why he was so great. I was I was never better, and I was never funnier, and I was never more charming, having very little to do with me. But he was great, and he was setting me up, and he was perfect. And and uh, and toward the end of the interview, he said, "This was before they had." Um, signed, what's her name, uh, Joan Rivers, as, as um, a permanent guest host. They had rotating guest hosts because he took a lot of time off. And um, at the, at the inter- interview on the air, he said, hey, oh God, you're so funny. He said, you, you, you need to sit at this desk some night. And I said, you know, well, call wow. me. And, and they did. They called me a few weeks later and asked me to do two two nights. Of, I remember it was wow. a Thursday and a Friday. And so Freddie DeCordova, the, the producer, calls me and says, okay, we're booked Thursday and Friday, whatever it was, in two weeks. Uh, he said, however, there's a writer's strike. Uh, but he said, don't worry about it. You just won't do a monologue. You'll do what, what Merv Griffin used to do or Jack Parry. So you just talk about what's happened in your life. and blah. You know, you don't really have to do a, a joke, joke monologue. And that'll be fine. I said, great. And that'll be fine. And then he said, oh, and there's one other issue. There's a potential director's strike. Oh, wow. <laughs> right. and, and if they don't get it solved by this weekend, we're going to have to cancel and go dark uh. next week. So I said, I understand. Well, Friday came, they didn't settle it, they canceled the shows, and Johnny came back from vacation, then they ended up doing a regular, and I never had the chance to host the Tonight Show, uh. but um, the, the irony is, over the weekend, they did solve the director's strike, but they had already uh, canceled the taping, so if I ever had a regret, it was, not, it was never having a chance to host, to sit in for Johnny for a couple yeah. of nights, that would, that would have been cool. I remember when Pat did Sullivan and Son, he came up to me with the script and he said, is there another writer's strike? Okay. And I said, no, 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 that's just the, the scripting. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's true, no, Pat. I, all I remember was when, when you know, when the, a, a joke would be there and, and they wanted to try to make it better and they called out the writers. It was like a stampede. How many writers did you have on the show? <laughs> we had, I think, uh, maybe 10. 10 writers. <laughs> Yeah, Pat, I do want to ask you because you've been on the wheel and and you had your own late night talk show. What uh, you know, Patrick and I talk about this all the time because Carson was the gold standard. There was just a real comfortability to him. And nowadays, with the political landscape, I think that some of these late night talk shows really skew hard left and maybe bring an acidic tone at times to the monologue, for example. 
you know, you've always been a warm presence. What to you makes a great host, especially after having done Carson? What do you think makes a great host? And why do you think you've done so well all these years? What do you bring to the wheel that's lent to, towards your success? Well, in the game show world, it's a little different. I mean, just to keep it the game shows rather than talk shows. Um, I think one of the, one of the reasons um, it's, it's um, I think one of the challenges of doing a game show is it, the nature of it, uh, hosting a game show, it goes against a performer's nature. I mean, we all get in this business because we want to be in the spotlight and we like being on stage and we like, hey, look at me, look at me, I'm funny, I'm this, I'm that. Um, in in a game show, you have to sublimate that a little bit. You have to you have to remember that you may be the wittiest guy in the world, but people are watching because they like this goofy little game we play. I mean, we're playing Hangman after all, and that's if they didn't like the game, they wouldn't be watching. Uh, so so you have to you have to go against a natural performer's instinct and step back a little bit. And so if I do anything that attempts to be amusing or anything, it has to be sort of you know, shotgun style. I mean, you come out, you do it, and you and you step back again, uh, because the, you know I'm really third, second, not just second fiddle, maybe third or fourth. I mean, it's the game. Um, the players, to me, are the people you have to kind of put in the spotlight, even even if it's reluctant on their part, uh, because people have to care about them. So you have to bring them out. You know, people want to see what banners wearing and all that stuff. So I'm sort of, you know, there's the wheel and there's the game and there's the players and 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 oh, oh yeah, Pat's there too. But I think that's worked for me. I, I don't get in the way much. Um, I, I try to be a presence that a steadying presence, and I try to be amusing or interesting when I can. Um, so I think I've worn well in that sense. I just think I, there's a, if you came on too strong and you worked too hard at being front and center, I think it could wear out your welcome pretty fast 35 years is a long time to be in people's homes every night and so i'm pretty proud of that that after all this time people still seem to like the show and they you know they don't hate my guts all that much and um I, and i think that it's because somewhere along the line I've, I've figured out that that i just need to step back a bit when the three contestants show up can you smell failure do you know instantly <laughs> yeah, i mean there are this the, person's the, the, doomed. In, in, First of all, first, I'm all, well, it's a two-sided two coin. So I'm, I'm often surprised. I mean, I'll, be, I'll talk at the beginning, and I think this poor guy's not going to win a nickel, and they, they just wipe out, wipe everybody up. But, but one of the things about our show people forget, and one of the reasons we don't have a tournament of champions like, say, um, uh, Alex does on Jeopardy, is the best player frequently doesn't win because it's, not, it's so much about luck. Right. Um, you can be the worst. You can be the worst of the three. You can be nervous. You you can't focus, but it just it falls in your lap. You know the person in front of you is putting all the letters up there, and then you get to bankrupt, and all you have to do is read what's up there, basically. So um, uh, it's a. Uh, but but there are times when um, when someone screws up, and it's going to happen because they're they're scared to death. For goodness sakes, I'm yeah. amazed they do it. They do. I I I I have great admiration for our players. It's a really tough spot to be in. It's really easy to at home and say how stupid they are they're not they wouldn't be <laughs> right. they could play the game but um but every now and then and and my my one one i think one of my most important jobs is to get people through it when they have screwed up and let them you know try to try to get them built back up and not hang their heads the rest of the show but every now and then there'll be someone and you used to talk about smelling failure where 
something happens and you could just see they are gone they you cannot you cannot get them back they just can't wait for that half hour to be over <laughs> and they're already they're already living in dread of the day that the show airs and their friends are going to be mocking them for the <laughs> <laughs> did you uh did you get your start with Merv Griffin was was he instrumental in helping you get launched he was um Mer- Merv uh create wheels had a weird uh history it actually started in the mid 70s maybe about 76 something like that with with a guy named Chuck Woolery who did it for 7 years wow. on NBC on NBC in daytime and uh and Chuck left and they needed a host and I was doing local uh I was on the local channel out here channel 4 I was the weatherman and um uh, and Merv, you know, the nice thing about doing local TV in L.A. is you're auditioning every night because all the producers are at home watching like everybody else. And um, Merv thought I was funny or something. He once told me, this is almost embarrassing, he once said, he said, pal, you know, that what, what I really, one night I'm watching, <laughs> and what happened was I get I get on the air, and, the, you know, there's no weather in L.A. most times, so it's, what else, what are you going to do? Yeah. So I would go out, so I went out there one time, and I had a little... Uh, Band-Aid on my cheek, just one, and I and I apologize for it because I I nicked myself while I was shaving. And anyway, every time, so we did the little talk with the anchor, and then I walked over to the map, and, and but every time they would cut away from me to go to a map or some sort of graphic, and then come back to me, the Band-Aid would be on a different place in my face. <laughs> this to me was high class humor. Well, Merv <laughs> thought this was the greatest thing he had ever seen uh, in, in, the, in the field of humor. And I think that cemented, that cemented the job. But when he called wow. me and asked me to, to do it, I didn't know the show. And I, and I went, ran to it, and I said I'd come in and talk to him and maybe do a tape or something. And I, and I go to my TV, and I turn it on. And the first thing I said to myself, and I remember distinctly, was, there's nothing for me to do here. <laughs> uh, but what am I? I'm saying R. Yes, there's an R. Uh, <laughs> and you're going to cut me a paycheck? When I, honestly, when I started the show, it was on only in daytime. It was on NBC. It had been on seven years. Uh, it was finishing third in its time period behind Prices Right on CBS and Love Boat reruns. I swear to you on ABC. Wow. And I thought, you know, and, it, and, it, and the ratings were on the way down. It had been on seven years, as I said. So my feeling was, you know what? I'll take this show. I'll do it a year or two, it's going to go away, and then I will have established a little national credibility and moved on to something else. Well, it, it shows you what I know. So it got a, it got a kind of a second wind, and then it, like two years after I started, they started this nighttime show, which went through the roof immediately, and you know here we are 35 years later. So don't look to me for showbiz predictions, because I don't wow. know nothing. Wow. It, but that had to be a little crazy for you, Pat, because here you were working on this game show, which was pretty much running itself, and when you went to the late night show, that had to be a grind, I assume, having to work to put that show together for something and then turn around and come right back the next day. Yeah, it was a. Uh, I mean, it was it was certainly a change in in uh, uh, the way I worked. I mean, you're right. It was. Uh, I was not. I mean, I was doing the daytime show and nighttime show, but even that, I was taping, you know, two three days a week maybe, and and then in addition, we're doing this this. And by the way, it was a ninety minute talk show when it went on the air. Uh, so it would, the days were long and we, uh, they were kind of, wheel was kind enough to move its taping to mostly weekends, which helped out, but it meant that I had no time. So it's funny you know, when the show got, the talk show got canceled, you know, you say how the show gets canceled. I'd never been canceled before. And I, I, you know, you, you don't like that. It's a blow to the ego, but I often think that if, if for some reason the show had worked better and I had been doing it for, you know, 
all these years, or at least or twenty of them, I would probably be, I would probably cl- be clinically insane by yeah. now. So uh, it's really been, it really has been a, a great run, and and, and uh, it is the greatest job in show business. We have two kids who are grown now, but they barely knew I had a job because I was home all the time. And wow. And, and all, and when they were little, and, and their mother would say, "What, well, Daddy's taping today?" And you know, they thought I worked for 3M or something. They didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know what what does taping mean? Because you, uh, you guys, so, uh, uh, it's been it's been great. You ideally film the entire year in what, like, 38 days? Uh, I, it's not important to give it to them. <laughs> no, it's true. We actually, uh, and I, there are other things we do. We travel, and we do some shooting in other cities, and we do do some travel, and you do some promotion and all that. But as far as actual, <laughs> get ready, guys. Let's have a drum roll. As far as actual taping, we tape uh, 34 days a year. Wow. So, this- in, so in dog years, I've only done the show about six years. Wow. <laughs> well, Pat, I do want to ask you this. I mean, congrats on such an immense Jeez. run. But you've you've traveled the country doing these tapings. You know, I, I know you go to a lot of ballparks. You're a big baseball fan. What is the most redemptive, rewarding part of your life in terms of doing this show and having traveled the country? What is the most rewarding facet to you personally after having met all these people all these years and traveled the country? You know, I, it's it's. Funny ask. I think about this a lot, and I think about it a lot as I get older. Um, I, get, I gain a, a greater appreciation of this. As, you know, I'm I'm fairly light the way I approach these things, and it's you know I, I joke that I'm playing hangman on TV and selling vowels. But you come to realize as you get to know these people and you travel with these people and you meet these people, these great folks who come in from all over the country just to play our little game, and they're so happy to be there. Uh, and they are the nicest people, and, and you know they're the people you, we fly over when we're going from New York to L.A. Uh, and there are millions of them, and they're they're they are they are as they say the salt of the earth. And and this little show means something to them, and they know it's a game, they know it's mindless entertainment, but they like it. It's a part of their life cycle. They they watched it with their grandmothers, and now they're raising their kids and watching it. The kids are learning the alphabet, and they can. You know, they can sit and watch it for that 30 minutes. They know it's kind of safe haven. No, one, They're not going to be embarrassed. No one's going to be humiliated. No one's going to be voted off. Um, it's, it's you know, television has gotten very dark. With, and there's mm-hmm. some great stuff on the air, but it's it's dark stuff. It really is. I and mean, the world's dark enough. And you, you turn on the television, yeah. and it's, you know, it's multiplied. So we're... You know, we're kind of a dinosaur. If you wanted to t- to pitch our show today, the pitch would last about 12 seconds and you'd be gone. Uh, I can give you 20 reasons why this show shouldn't be working, and and but it is. And and so to those, you know, those every almost every day someone comes up to me on the street in the grocery store or whatever, and, you know, they'll, they'll be in tears. You know, I, oh, I just lost my grandmother, but, you know, the light, that's, that's what I remember was watching the show with her. Or, or you know, like oh God, that's the one half hour the family sits together and and watches something, or we watch it over dinner, whatever it is. So it's it's an amazing success story to me, and 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 and, and in a strange way, kind of moving that that people have taken us to their hearts, and we're you know we have become more than a popular television show. We've become part of the popular culture, and. And even if you don't watch us every day, it's kind of like the sunset. You might not go out in the balcony and look at it every day, but it's nice to know it's out there. And it's kind of comforting in this 
crazy world we live in, and, and my God, I'm sounding poetic, aren't I? Well, <laughs> well I you have three weird. grown men crying right now, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us I'm about that sunset. <laughs> <laughs> well, my mom is a devoted fan, watches yes. every I day. Yes, you mentioned that, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I do have to say, when I go, when I work in Vegas, and I walk through the casino, and I hear, Wheel of Fortune, it sticks in my head like a ringtone, like a one-hit wonder. Are there nights where you can't sleep because you hear that over and over again? You know, well, I don't spend a lot of time in Vegas, and, and the worst, the, the, I've been saying a lot of positive things. The most negative thing in my life is I don't get a piece of that damn stuff. So, um, damn it. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that's, that really kills me. Um, so I, yeah, it's, it's everywhere. Yeah. I, when I've been to Vegas, I mean, you, it's, it, you're right. It, it is, it, it's just, it becomes ambient sound. It's, <laughs> it's out there. So I, but I don't hear it much. And, uh, and it does make me a little crazy that it's out there and all those quarters are, are being spent and they're not mine. Are, are, Pat, are your roots? Like, do you follow sports teams from Chicago or, or, or Washington? I've kind of heard both. I, and then, uh, uh, yeah, you know what? I grew up. I grew up as a in Chicago, and I was there for the first twenty years of my life. And it, and I was one of those diehard Cub guys. And I, you know, I couldn't. And White Sox too. I, I never understood why. By the way, why you couldn't be a fan of both teams? They were in different leagues. I rooted for them both. I lived near Comiskey Park, but I loved the Cubs as well. And anyway, I, when so well into my adulthood, even after I moved and all that, I still had the Cubs in my heart. And then I then I started to get annoyed, and I thought. About uh, about old oh, ten twelve years ago, I said, you know what? If they can't do it in a hundred years, I'm checking out. And sure enough, they passed a hundred. I think they went to hundred eight years. And and I so uh, while I'm happy for Cub fans, I have since moved on. I have adopted. We 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 split our time between uh, Maryland and and out here in L.A. And so I've adopted the the Baltimore Orioles as our team and uh, for baseball and and uh and the Washington Capitals in hockey and then out here it's the Dodgers and the Kings. So I've got four teams to root for now wow. and uh and that's fun. So I, I it is one of the passions of my life and I we and we I see way too many games more than a grown man should see. But I'm looking forward to the start of hockey season. I'm a little worried about the Kings this year and the Caps for that matter. But um but as a growing up as a Cub fan you get used to losing and it doesn't bother you. <laughs> well, you're a Caps fan, I'm a Penguins fan. So you are used yeah. to losing. What do you yeah. think the Caps can yeah, do? Yeah, I know. I, yeah, there, I know there, there, there was a little homage to the Penguins on the set. Uh, I, I, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't like those guys, but you know, only because it, it, and it's just really frustrating. And it's obviously, I, I mean, to 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 be able to repeat in the in the, in this league the way it is now is, is I hate to say it, but truly an amazing feat. And I hope that'll be the last one for a very long time. Well, I hate to say this as a Pens fan. I think the Caps on paper are phenomenal. They won the President's Trophy last year. I, as a hockey fan, think that Ovechkin deserves a cup to 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 cement his legacy. He's a phenomenal player, and I I can't yeah. believe I'm saying this as a Pens fan. I said this to a few of my friends that are Caps fans. I think that this year they're due because the pressure's off. I think that they I, don't know, have I, the pressure. I, I I think you're onto something. And, and um, you know there was so. Uh, there, you know they were they were built to win last year. I mean, in terms of payroll, in terms of the staffing, and everything. They, they, that was going to be the year. And then they were going to they knew they were going to have to tear it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Well, they had to tear it down without winning. Uh, but I think you're right. I, I think I think Ovechkin may have a monster year. And without that, uh, and they're not going to win the President's Cup this year, the President's Trophy. They're they're going to um, you know they're going to make the playoffs and and be a, a 
sort of in the middle of the pack in terms of teams, and I think that's not a bad thing for them. So I'm I'm uh, I'm hopeful. But it's a great you know it's a great time to tell you, Steve. It's a great sport and a great league. Uh, uh, you know you can it's in basketball for example. You know at the beginning of the last season, forget the one we're going into. The, you you could have there were what three teams maybe you had a chance to be in the finals. Yeah, uh, and you and you pretty much knew who they they were. And, and that'll could, probably be the same obviously. this year. Yeah, yeah, and same this year. In hockey, you could make an argument. You could make a Stanley Cup Finals argument for for over twenty of the teams. Yeah, uh, they're, 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 which is I think really uh, a great for a sport. And the players are unlike baseball, where the money's gotten so big. The players are approachable. Uh, it's really a fan friendly game, and I do. Uh, even though I can barely stand up on skates, I do. I do love the. Uh, I do love the sport. <laughs> well, Mr. Sajak, on behalf of all the fellows, we cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your immense schedule, working yes. thirty four oh, days I a year, <laughs> twelve to six. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, Mr. Byrne, Mr. Cannon, Mr. Keen, uh, it's it's been nice talking to you, and actually a lot of fun. And uh, and 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 Steve, don't 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 ever contact me again. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you, Pat? Do you? start to get angry if the show starts taping past six o'clock like if it's like 603 and you got to get to a dodgers well, game you're like just buy a vowel bitch you know what that's i wish i wish that were a joke but it, it's some truth to it. Be nice. but you know when there's a game going on sure i've got to get to the dodgers stadium i've got to get to staples i'm looking at the clock and you know that we got we had to stop because there's a problem now i'm getting annoyed why are we stopping i mean i gotta go i gotta get I of gotta course get game. the show is getting in the way yeah uh <laughs> I try not to do that, but I'm but I'm only a human being. You got to be back here another thirty three days this year. <laughs> you know, I think this interview is over. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Pat. We really appreciate you taking the time. Continued success to you and the wheel, and obviously all the best to your family and to your beloved Caps. I wish you all the luck this season. I, I, I appreciate that, Steve. You're a good man to say that. All good right, talk to you guys. Take care, Pat Sajak, everybody. everybody. Wow, that was. Awesome. Yes. I, it was funny going to his talk dude. show years and years ago. That was just great. I'd never been to a late night show. 89. Wow. Flew out here from Michigan to visit my sister. In I'm town. telling you, you got to follow that guy on Twitter. He is yes. pretty damn funny. The he's got some he great has. jokes. I mean, he's been asked these questions, but the ease over and, and over again. stories, and he's just uh, got a pro. Just a pro. Um, I know you, that your mom loves this show, Steve, because I was talking. It. I was talking to your dad, and I said, hey, would you guys ever get rid of cable? And he's like, no way. He's like, my wife watches Wheel of Fortune. We keep it for that. So I think I think you guys are paying one hundred and fifty dollars a month just for Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, I think so. My mom is a devoted Wheel fan. Um, that is episode one hundred and three. Uh, we hope you enjoy the last run of great guests we've yeah. had. I mean, you go back to all the the hundred we've had that made our podcast great, but. Then we kick it off with the Jokers and Colin Jost and Vince Vaughn and Angela Johnson and Pat Sajak. We're going to continue to up the ante on the guests and bring you some great guests. Uh, Subscribe. If you're listening to the dojo, we ask you, please go to iTunes, rate, review us. We'd love to hear your feedback, what you love about the show, what you'd like to see on the show, or what you'd like to hear on the show. Um, Where can they find you, boys? I'm at Citizen Keen on Twitter. Check yeah, it out. yeah. Uh, Canon Comedy, as you know, Stephen. <laughs> Unbelievable. Painful. Steve Byrne Live. Go to Steve Byrne Live. You can see the tour dates. We obviously all tour together. Yes. Um, We're opening for Billy Ocean. That'll be fun. Oh. Opening for Billy Ocean. Yeah. yeah. When the going gets tough. <laughs> the tough get going. going.